0: all right guys you are locked on falcons i'm your host darren freeman and today is a free agent friday where well, i will be breaking down over a dozen free agent running backs that maybe fits for the atlanta falcons you are locked on falcons your daily atlanta falcons podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day So, guys, you know me, I'm Aaron Freeman. Been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at falkfans.com, RIP, still going strong on Twitter at falkfans, and of course, the host of this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is a free agent Friday, our continuing series where every Friday for the last three weeks now, There where we have looked at a different position group. We looked at the edge rushers two weeks ago. We looked at the safeties last week. This week, we're looking at the running back position. Haven't quite decided what I'm going to do for next Friday, which was the last Friday before free agency officially starts on March the 17th. But today, I do know that I will be talking quite a bit about some impending free agent running backs that the Falcons could wind up adding as stopgaps or possibly long-term solutions for their big hole at the running back position. And without further ado, let's sort of get into that subject because I know a lot of people are sort of dismissive of the idea of the Falcons signing a veteran running back. I think in large part due to the fact that the Falcons were most recently burned uh, using air quotes by Todd Gurley last year. And going back to Steven Jackson oh so many years ago. And I think people really want this team to get some fresh, young legs in there and hoping that the Falcons can find their very own version of Derrick Henry and have, you know, big eyes in terms of what that could do for this Falcons offense if they can get a run game comparable to what Arthur Smith, the new Falcons head coach had in Tennessee with Derrick Henry, but you can't help but notice that every time Arthur Smith gets an opportunity to talk with the media or go on a podcast or you know, do a press conference, he he mentions that, you know, the Falcons, you know, Derrick Henry's not walking through that door in, in to put it one way, uh, that the Falcons won't necessarily be having Derrick Henry added to the offense or a player like Derrick Henry added to the offense. And of course that will lead to some interesting adjustments to how this offense will be structured and function. But despite Arthur Smith saying that multiple times now over the last six or so weeks, It's not going to stop Falcon fans from dreaming. And I'm the person that doesn't necessarily have a super high opinion on this upcoming running back draft class, just because I'm not necessarily convinced that the Falcons finding that so-called RB1 that's going to come in right away, toting the rock 15 or more times a game, rush for a thousand yards and sort of be that lead tailback on day one for this Falcon team is, that plentiful in this upcoming draft class. Now, certainly could you develop a guy, you know, that could develop into that a couple of years down the road? Um, Sure. But you know, how does that help the Falcons become more balanced in the calendar year of 2021? Not really. So I think you might have some issues with this particular draft class. If you're looking for that sort of workhorse bell cow type of running back, now, if you're looking for more of a change of pace type of running back, a, a "quote-unquote" rich man's Edo Smith, that type of guy, a, a quality backup, a, a guy that can be a key part of a, a team's committee, I think you'll have plenty of options in this draft class. But when we look at those bell cows, it, it looks like you know, from from where I'm sitting, you know, you you kind of have two options in that regard, and, and Najee Harris from Alabama and Javante Williams from UNC. And unlike a lot of other people, I'm just not assuming that, oh, you're definitely going to draft one of those guys at the top of round two with the Falcons pick, as other people assume. You got several teams picking ahead of the Falcons who are picking 35 at the top of round two. teams like Miami. You got the Jets picking twice in front of you, Uh, New Orleans, Pittsburgh, Buffalo, all teams that could definitely upgrade their running back positions this offseason. And if the Falcons go into this draft with a clear and obvious hole at that running back position, you know, it could prompt... You know, teams picking behind the Falcons in round two to try to jump up and get ahead of the Falcons to snatch one of those running backs, whether it's Harris, whether it's Williams, whether it's Clemson's Travis Etienne, who most people uh, feel alongside and Williams are the, the clear three best running backs in this draft class. And, and certainly the, the three big names in this draft class that if you're looking for a potential RB one, you know, those are the three guys that you necessarily want to land if you're the Falcons. And so, you know, I wonder if the Falcons are sitting there stuck at 35 waiting, you know, for their running back and that guy gets snatched up ahead of time, you know, and they wind up stuck waiting until round three or four to take a running back. And are they going to get that sort of day one RB one in this draft class, you know, so I feel like things are pushing the Falcons into the direction of, look, you're not guaranteed to get that RB one. You're probably much more likely going to land more of that committee rotational running back that can sort of split carries with guys like Edo Smith and Quadri Olison and potentially somebody else. And I think that's really where free agency comes into the equation. You know Having a veteran come in, replace guys like Todd Gurley and Brian Hill, be that insurance policy at the running back position. So you're not stuck reaching too early in the draft for a need position simply because you were too overconfident thinking that one of the top running backs were going to fall to you uh, in round two. Not to mention, you know, the running backs currently on the Falcons roster, Nito Smith and and Quadro Olison, have yet to prove themselves to be reliable pass protectors at this point in their careers. And I continue to stress that that is probably the most undervalued skill that an NFL running back can have. Possess, according to the majority of fans and media alike, that largely ignore that skill set in terms of evaluating running backs and how valuable running backs are to respective offenses. And, And that's one area of pass protection that most rookie running backs struggle with. And there typically isn't a huge learning curve when it comes to running backs, making the jump from the college game to the pro game, which is why you can have some, you know, year one impactful players. And I think that's also fueling why people are, you know, maybe a little bit overly optimistic about what the Falcons can do addressing that running back position in this year's draft. But the one, Area of the position that does require a learning curve is pass protection. Rookie running backs are notoriously bad in pass protection and shouldn't be trusted in that regard. So I think at the very least, the Falcons should be adding a running back, a veteran running back that can at least, you know, take up the mantle as the team's quote unquote third-down running back that can sort of be that reliable pass protector for Matt Ryan on passing downs, which is necessary for this offense to function. And I think they're definitely going to have some options there this offseason. season. And we're going to talk about a dozen free agents and, and one potential free agent. Who's probably going to be a cap cut that I think could potentially help fill those shoes or and or possibly be you know a lead tailback for this Falcons, and we 're going to get into those coming up on today 's locked on Falcons free Agent Friday episode, but before we get there, guys, I want to let you know that bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The NFL might be over, but the NBA college basketball, NHL, NASCAR, and FCS college football are all in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality television. Get real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today at BetOnline.ag. Use the promo code LOCKEDON. You will receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON. to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit when you sign up at BetOnline.ag. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. So before we get into the potential free agent targets that the Falcons could sign, and we'll start with sort of the big or er name players that are about to hit the market, I want to let you guys know that while I have you covered on all things Falcons, what about the rest of the league as well as other sports and, of course, Peter Bukowski, the host of the Locked On Today podcast, as you covered there. It's all the sports news that you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcasts. So, talking about the free agent group. Aaron Jones is probably the top guy on the market, hitting the market, the Packers running back. He has the elusiveness, pass catching ability, capability, and pass protection, the comfort, running the outside zone scheme that the Falcons are going to deploy dated from his days from Green Bay. You know, I think in a lot of ways that you can look at Aaron Jones is probably not on the level of Alvin Kamara, but certainly like a notch or two below in terms of his value as a three down running back. He's 26. He's looking to cash in. Pro Football Focus projects his market value to be about $13 million a year. Um, And that's a guy that's potentially a top five running back on the open market. I'm not sure that this particular offseason, given the depressed salary cap, given the likelihood that a lot of teams are not going to be willing to spend, coupled with the fact that teams have been notoriously reluctant to pay running backs in recent years, unless they're, they're sort of homegrown guys you know i don't know if jones is going to get that type of money 13 million a year but i certainly think he's a guy that should be able to land eight figures uh and that probably potentially prices him out of atlanta he could also get tagged by the packers although it's interesting to note that the packers haven't tagged a player since um, 2010, I believe. So over a decade, the Packers have gone without franchise tagging someone. And if I was to bet, I don't think Aaron Jones is going to break that streak, but we'll see what happens with Aaron Jones. I, I think it will be interesting to, to watch his market, even if it's not necessarily a market that the Falcons are going to sort of dip their toes in another high profile running back that is going to hit free agency is going to be Chris Carson from the Seattle Seahawks. Um, and he certainly sort of contrasts with Jones. Who's more of that quick, fast running back. Carson's got that power element and you know, he's not going to necessarily give you that high value on third downs, although he's competent in that arena. He's also from the Atlanta area. So that that's a check area. But the main concern with Chris Carson is, is sort of wear and tear. He's dealt with some nagging injuries throughout his career in Seattle. And since the Falcons are coming off a guy like Gurley, you might want to stay away from that, from a, a guy that has some, some tread on the tires. But I think in terms of getting a proven starter, that is at least comparable to Derrick Henry in terms of bringing that sort of guy that can get those yards after contact, those hard yards, and and really uh, scrap for yardage there. I think Chris Carson's probably your closest option uh, besides maybe one of the rookies that you may or may not be in a position to get in this draft. You know, I think he's certainly the more proven option in that regard available. He's projected by Pro Football Focus to be getting about $10 million a year this year. Again, I'd be surprised if he gets that much, but certainly I think probably somewhere North of seven or eight million dollars a year would be sort of where I would project Carson's market value to be, which again I think probably prices him out of Atlanta. Some another name, sort of the the uh, redheaded stepchild, I guess you could call it, is Kenyon Drake. Had a breakout year once he got traded to Arizona in 2019, and then couldn't really build upon that this past year. And um, you know, I think the one knock on Kenyon Drake in terms of his fit in Atlanta is he played much better in Arizona's man blocking scheme than he did in Miami's zone blocking scheme before he got traded. So I don't know if he's really the ideal candidate for this Falcons offense, but he's a good all around player. I think kind of, is somewhere in between Jones and Carson where he can you know break tackles, he can break long runs, he can add value on third downs, all those various things so he's a solid running back but I don't know if he's sort of the ideal fit that you're looking for in this offense a player that probably does fit this offense a little bit better is James Conner from Pittsburgh but he's another player like Carson that has some injury concerns, he was more of a power player in college but has slimmed down and become a little bit more elusive in the pros, really broke out in that 2018 season when Le'Veon Bell said that out that season with the Steelers, but he hasn't been able to build off of that the last two years. Part of that has been due to some nagging injuries. I think he's probably best served as an RB one in a committee system rather than necessarily being the guy that's going to carry the load and pro football focus, by the way, projects both Drake and Connor to have contracts somewhere South of about 7 million a year. So we'll see what that is. Now, I think now we're getting into the territory of some candidates that are probably a little bit closer in the Falcons price range. I think those four guys I mentioned before would be upper end players that I think that would take the Falcons being a little bit more committed to paying uh, uh, probably a bit more money than I think most people expect them to be willing to pay for a veteran running back. But next on the list is, is Mike Davis and he's another more power player like a Carson and has proven throughout his career that he's a very reliable backup, whether that was to Chris Carson Back in the day in Seattle, whether it was to Christian McCaffrey these last two years in Carolina, he got off to a solid start this past year replacing Christian McCaffrey. Played really well against the Falcons in that Week 5 game, but then kind of faded down the stretch. He fits more of that power runner, but... You know, I think the knock on Mike Davis is he's more of a grinder. He's not particularly explosive. So if you're looking for someone who has a little bit more juice than what Todd Gurley showed last year, Mike Davis is probably not your guy. I think the other thing that he may or may not have going for him is that he did briefly play with the Chicago Bears in 2019, where Charles London, the Falcons' current quarterbacks coach, was his position coach at the running back position. You know, that didn't necessarily work out with him in the Bears because the Bears ultimately decided they would much rather, you know, give the ball to David Montgomery. And that led to Davis's release and he caught on with Carolina and maybe there's some sour grapes over that, but you can find quotes from London from 2019 where he's very praising of Mike Davis and what he was at least in theory and potentially was going to bring to the table for the bears that season. So uh, there is a little bit of a connection there. Uh, Pro football focus has Davis uh, targeted, projected to make a contract north of $4 million a year. Uh, you know, the last sort of I wouldn't call him big name, but certainly I think notable free agent that we're going to talk about before we get into some of the more sort of cheaper um, sleepers, I guess you could call them is, is Jamal Williams, who was Jones's backup in Green Bay specialized, particularly in Green Bay as a third down back. You know, he does have some size, but like Davis, he's not a particularly explosive running back. But he is probably one of the better pass protectors available this offseason. So he definitely checks that box. And if you're looking for a guy that can be a proven third down running back, I think Jamal Williams is near the top of the list if that's what you're primarily looking for. And, you know, he's one of those running backs, I think is looking for a bigger opportunity to carry more, a higher percentage of the workload than he got, particularly these last couple of years in Green Bay with the emergence of Aaron Jones as their RB1. Um, And I think the Falcons at least provide an opportunity for him to get that opportunity. But, you know, I I think the lack of usage that Williams has had over the last four years in Green Bay means that he's probably not going to be as expensive as other players that would have gotten a much higher workload and have proven themselves to be, you know, guys capable of being that sort of RB one on a depth chart. So Pro football focus is projecting Williams at $3 million a year. And I think that's really kind of the sweet spot for the Falcons, whether that results in a one or two year deal for one of these veteran players, like a Davis, like a Jamal Williams. I think that's kind of, at least my guess is, I, I don't know, but my guess is that's kind of the max of where the Falcons would probably prefer to spend on the running back this upcoming season. But we got some other guys. we got another half dozen or more guys that I do want to touch upon that are probably going to probably come in South of that figure, of 3 or 4 million dollars that we're going to get into coming up and including some guys that have some injury concerns but guys that are at least you can say in theory maybe represent some higher upside options if they do wind up hitting, but maybe a little bit more risk involved. And we'll get into that as we continue today's free agent Friday on the locked on Falcons podcast. But before we get there, guys, I recently told you about some routine maintenance that I had to get done on my car. And I was forced to pay a lot of money to get my brakes fixed and replace a taillight. And immediately after paying that, seeing the receipt, I wondered how much money I could have saved if I had just gone to rockauto.com. And of course, I could have saved a lot of money. And I don't tell you the exact figure because I'm kind of embarrassed by how much money I wound up spending and how much I could have saved. And rockauto.com has everything you need, whether you're looking for engine parts, motor oil floor mats, or in my case, brake parts and tail lamps, you can get everything you need in just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. And I always Say the prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. I'm no professional, but I definitely need to start to be more of a do-it-yourselfer if I want to save some serious cash the next time I need auto parts. So don't be like me. Go to rockauto.com right now ahead of time and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, Locked On And How Did You Hear About Us box as they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. So before we continue and wrap up today's free agent Friday episode of Locked on Falcons podcast, I know you guys may want to make some money this week. And I certainly know I do in order to sort of fill that empty void in my wallet from my recent car maintenance. And you can do that. I can do that by subscribing every day to the Locked on Bets podcast where handicapping expert Lee Sterling gives you the daily picks, blowout specials and the locks of the day that'll put that money in your pocket. Subscribe to the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcasts. So I got a couple more names that I want to add to the list of, of some potential guys that I think some of these guys would qualify, qualify as maybe the team taking a little bit of a flyer out. Some of these guys, maybe some older guys that may have a little bit more wear on their on the, on their treads. Some of these guys may be guys that have a little bit more question marks. But I think certainly are guys that at least in theory the Falcons could potentially target as somebody that can come in and and be a part of a committee system, part of a rotation. And maybe if if they hit on some of these guys, you know, and and one guy that comes to mind immediately is Marlon Mack. He's coming off an Achilles tear. And you wonder how much explosiveness he's going to get back. We know with Keanu Neal and with previous players that have suffered that injury, it takes, you know, a year and and then some change for them to get back. So if you're signing Marlon Mack with that sort of timetable, you're not really expecting to get much out of him or at least get him back to what his pre-injury self was until at the earliest, the second half of this upcoming season. You know, and and Mac wasn't super dynamic prior to his Achilles injury, but he he was a guy that was consistently able to break a couple of long runs. That was a key part of his game. But you do wonder if he loses some of that with his Achilles injury, sort of where is he going to be? Is he going to be more of that plotter? And, you know, that's a concern because, you know, he wasn't a guy that was particularly valuable on third downs in terms of a pass catcher or in pass protection. And so – you know, he feels like a reclamation project and thus could probably be had for really, really cheap. And there's some upside there if you can get him back to his pre-injury form. But I don't know if that's a guy that you can trust going into this season to sort of have a key role on your uh, offense in week one. Now, maybe week you know 14, maybe he could, but not necessarily week one. So I, I think there's a question mark there. Another player that is a true journeyman type of player showed this in San Francisco showed it in Houston that he can be an RB one um, showed in last year in, in Seattle that he could be an RB two is Carlos Hyde. You know, the knock on Carlos Hyde is he's, he's not really doesn't really stand out in any way, but he's a, he's a solid all around running back experience in this blocking scheme can add a little bit of value on third downs, but not a ton. You know, he's, he's on the wrong side of 30, But I think that allows him to be probably a little bit more of a cheaper stopgap option at this point in time. You know, Pro Football Focus only projected him to make like $2 million on like a one-year deal. So I feel like you can make a case with Carlos Hyde that you could be getting pretty good bang for your buck at that number based off of his production the last couple of years in Houston, in Seattle, in San Francisco, um, you know, for that type of price tag that, you know, if you can get that same production at form him, you know, at age 38, age 31, then that's pretty good bang for your buck. Uh, another running back that I think is comparable to what Jamal Williams could bring to the table is Malcolm Brown with the Rams. You know, he's been a backup for the last several seasons behind Ty Gurley in L.A. Now this past year sort of started out as sort of the lead tailback for the Rams going into the season, working that committee system alongside guys like Darrell Henderson and uh, Cam Akers, but eventually lost. That duties and, and fell down the depth chart by the end of the season, largely due to the fact that those other guys brought a little bit more explosiveness to their game. You know, Brown has some size. He can run with some power, but he's not going to give you that sort of breakaway ability. He's going to be, again, similar to what sort of Todd Gurley gave you last year, but maybe a little bit more consistent in that regard and also give you some value as a pass catcher and on third downs well-versed in the outside zone scheme from his days with the Rams. You know, the difference between him and Jamal Williams is Brown's going to be 28 this year, while Williams is only going to be 26. But Brown has had almost, half as many carries in his NFL career as Williams has at this point in time. And so you could at least argue in in that case, even though he's a little bit older, uh, has a little bit less tread on the tire. So maybe uh, like Williams is, is due for a bigger role in some NFL teams offense, a player that once upon a time had a very big role in an NFL teams offense, but has seen that role sort of diminish in recent years is Leonard Fournette. He played really well for the Bucs during this past postseason, but was mostly a non-factor for that team during the regular season. And so if you're going to sign Leonard Fournette, are you getting the guy that we saw in January? or Are you getting the guy that we saw in the rest of 2020, which is just a sort of mid-tier backup player? You know, Fournette does have some power. He doesn't have a ton of value on third downs, though. His vision is also notoriously not great. Uh, so I don't know if putting him in an outside zone scheme is going to be ideal for him. But the flashes certainly are intriguing. And if you sort of extrapolate his four game postseason production to a full season, that's a 1200 yard rusher. But the problem is that outside of his rookie season, you haven't really seen that Leonard Fournette outside of a, a couple of games here or there in the intervening years since. So I don't know if you can really count on him. And so it seems like that postseason stuff is a little bit of an outlier, but certainly, you know, there is some upside there if you can sort of get January Leonard Fournette or, you know, early Jacksonville Leonard Fournette uh, back in the fold. Another player that I think also has some upside is Matt Breida formerly of the 49ers most recently with the Dolphins and when we talk about having that breakaway home run explosiveness Breida really shines in that regard you know he is that more of that Tevin Coleman type of player that that has a chance to take it the distance and if you're looking for you know basically the opposite of what Gurley brought uh, to the table last year and looking for a guy that can be more of that home run hitter Matt Breida definitely is that was a valuable piece in that 49er committee system for a couple of years but then kind of was an afterthought in Miami this past year. But I think if you can fully unlock his potential, you could think of Matt Breida as sort of a poor man's Aaron Jones, just because of the potential value that he could bring in the passing game due to his speed and give you a similar value to what we saw from Tevin Coleman in 2016 at the height of his powers here in Atlanta. So I I think Breida has some upside, but you do have to wonder, you know, both the 49ers, both the dolphins essentially left it where it seemed like Breida left something to be desired, and so do you wonder, you know, third time's going to be a charm, so to speak, with the Falcons? Is it three strikes, you're out. Uh, If he comes to Atlanta, expected to carve out a significant role. If he doesn't, then, you know, there is a little bit of risk there, I think, in that regard, but certainly a a high reward. Uh, Two veteran players to sort of wrap up today's episode um, are Latavius Murray. And Mark Ingram, now Latavius Murray has not officially been cut yet, although it seems like everybody and their mama expects him to be one of the many cuts that the saints are going to have. Um, this offseason, Murray has that familiarity from New Orleans. Uh, he's a grinder. He's decent on third downs. He's not. That's not really why you're signing Latavius Murray. Ideally, you want to sort of couple him like the Saints have done in recent years with, you know, a guy that is more of that sort of change of pace, third down running back like an Alvin Kamara. You know, the, the knock on Murray, is he's 31. He's been slowing down the last couple of years, not quite as good as he is, you know, today as he was when he first signed with the Saints a couple of years ago. Um, But he does give you some veteran presence, somebody that can sort of keep the seat warm and be a competent sort of you know, committee guy to share the workload with a young guy for at least a year or so. Uh, Mark Ingram, I think, is probably the better version of that player. Again, like Murray, he's on the wrong side of 30. He's going to be 31. Um, Was basically a forgotten man in Baltimore this past year. Um, Some of that owed to some injuries, and so you have to be a little bit concerned at his age. Can he sort of hold up for a full season? But again, I think if you're signing Mark Egram, you're not expecting him to sort of be the lead tailback. You're kind of signing him to sort of be that valuable leader, you know, that mentor in the Falcons running back room. You know, he was a leader in the Ravens locker room. He was, quote unquote, labeled the heart of the team by various players in that locker room, including. Lamar Jackson, you know, he he's a well versatile running back, certainly a capable third down option in terms of his ability as a path blocker and a reliable receiver in that regard. So I think if you're looking for a veteran player that can sort of come in and teach whoever you wind up drafting sort of how to perform, I think, you know, Ingrid makes a lot of sense, even if the value that he brings on the field is not going to be necessarily a high level player. And certainly there are more players that we could Throw out there potentially being on the Falcons' radar, including Duke Johnson, Rex Burkhead, Ty Montgomery, Dion Lewis, Jordan Howard, Lamar Miller. Some of those guys have some coaching connections. Uh, to this coaching staff as well as his front office. Um, But I think after a certain point, we're we're talking about getting diminishing returns on some of these guys. Duke Johnson is probably the one guy that stands out in that regard just because of his value on third downs, uh, but not necessarily as a runner. So, you know, we'll wrap up today by sort of me giving my final prediction on if I'm, you know, I'm throwing darts at a board at this point in time. But if I was to guess who the Falcons would target among these dozen or more players that I mentioned today, you know, my – Option plan A, I think, would my guess would be Jamal Williams. Plan B would probably be Mark Ingram just because they have that proven third down value. And I think you can feel confident, okay, if we can give those guys like 8 to 12 carries a game, we'll be fine. We need to get the rest of those carries in, in the draft. Um, you know, Mike Davis might be the plan C in that regard. You know, I could definitely see a scenario where the Falcons do go after a guy like Williams, and we're, we're going to hear that narrative come in March later this month of like, oh, we signed Jamal Williams and we think he's on the verge of being a starter in this league, blah, 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 blah. And then the Falcons go and, and still draft a running back in the first three rounds of the draft. And we saw this similar dynamic happen back in 2015 when the Falcons talked a big game about Devontae Freeman going into that 2015 offseason and then wound up drafting Tevin Coleman. Round three, of course, Devonte wound up, you know, playing really well in the first half of that 2015 season, and and sort of leapfrogging Coleman. But you know, the expectations once we drafted Kevin Coleman, uh, you know, from May through. August, or uh, really going into September, because he did wind up being the starter, was that Coleman was it was Coleman's job to lose. And, you know, kudos to Devontae Freeman for winning that job. But, uh, you know, I, I'll be curious to see if we see sort of a cyclical sort of thing with the Falcons going out there and getting a veteran player and saying, oh, we we, 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 we trust in this guy. And I do, you know, even though I mentioned Ingram, I do think they will try to target someone who's got you know, some youth on him so that they can at least in theory, similar to what we're talking about with Freeman be like, yeah, we, we really believe that this guy has a bright future ahead of him and has some years ahead of him. But I don't expect the Falcons to spend a ton of money. You know, if it's a one year deal or two year deal, not a whole lot of guaranteed money on this running back. I think they want to be in a position where they can still draft their guy and feel feel good about drafting a guy in the early rounds of this draft, whether that's in the first two rounds, first three or four rounds remains to be seen. It depends on how the draft uh, falls, but still feel good that, you know, we don't necessarily have to get a guy in the, you know, with a top 35 pick if we sign this veteran player, but, but, you know, ideally we can still get that guy and not feel like we wasted money. So that's a kind of a balance that the Falcons have to strike. And I I think that probably puts a hard cap on sort of how much money they can spend. So again, it it goes back to that three to $4 million a year. Like, you know, you would feel pretty bad about spending more than that on a backup running back, but you know, $3 million I think is, is right in the sweet spot. And so we'll see sort of if, if that winds up proving to be true. And if the Falcons wind up, you know, signing someone that can fill those shoes. So I'm very curious to see how the Falcons address this running back position because, you know, it is a big need, and I've talked in the past, that it's arguably the biggest need on the Falcons' offense. And um, it would be interesting if something that is as big a need as it it appears to be at this current time, you know, gets largely ignored in March solely because the Falcons – are fully committed to drafting a running back. And I just don't know if this is the year like last year is the year that I think you could have definitely gone into the draft feeling pretty good about. Yeah, we'll, we'll get a good running back in round two and and feel pretty good about that. Or even if we waited till round three, somebody's going to fall to that spot in round three and we can still get someone good there. I don't know if this year's is is, is the draft for that, but we'll, we'll see how it plays out guys. And there you have it. Uh, We got one more free agent Friday to do next week. You know, originally I was thinking offensive guard, but maybe I think we might need to do corners. Maybe I might do both. I don't know. I welcome your feedback. If you have a suggestion, if you want to see um, me focus on one of those positions or another positions uh, on our last free agent Friday uh, next week. And, of course, we also have a mailbag coming on Monday in addition to a mock draft Monday. So send in your questions, send in your feedback to get them answered on Monday's episode. And, of course, if you want to provide all that feedback, if you want to provide that suggestions or you want to ask your questions, of course, you can hit me up on Twitter at LockedOnFalcons, on Facebook at Lockdown Falcons, or you can send an email to LockedOnFalcons at Appreciate it, guys. Have a great weekend. Until then.